This is Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea, a radio documentary series for East Coast FM. Hello and welcome to Sea Stories, our series about lives touched by the sea. In a previous programme, we were aboard the yacht Athena 2 as we crossed the Atlantic Ocean, taking part in the Atlantic Rally for Cruisers, or the Ark, as it's more commonly known. In that programme, we met with husband and wife, dynamic duo Liz and Philip Quigley, Miles Kelly, Brian King and Taff Pierce, our esteemed skipper. Today we're here at the National Yacht Club in Dunleary on a very blustery and sunny morning, sitting on a balcony overlooking the harbour and beyond that, looking at some ships out in the Irish Sea. But that's not going to put off this hardy crew sitting next to me here on the balcony. Today we're meeting up again one year on with Liz and Philip Quigley and Brayman Miles Kelly, who was on the Athena 2 on that voyage. We're going to talk about the experience and how it's changed us as individuals or as sailors. First, however, here's a reminder of our skipper Taft Pierce and his thoughts on the Ark. The idea is, and especially when we have trade winds sailing like this, the idea is to get us there safely with the least damage to the vessel or the crew. Minimal, right? And at the end of it, for everyone to put their arms around one another and say, yes, that was a good experience. That was a life-changing experience. I've taken probably hundreds of people across the Atlantic and other oceans sailing but and every time I, I say it and I said it to you I think at the beginning I said whatever else it is it will be a life-changing experience your life will never be quite the same after you've done an Atlantic crossing and regardless of what um, people say and they often say everyone's doing it these days I often say name me a couple of people that you know that have done it and they and they rarely can Okay, that was Skipper Taft Pierce, who's out in the Azores as we speak. Liz, was the experience life-changing for you? Uh, Yes, I would say definitely it was life-changing. On our previous arc, when we came back, sailing-wise, our life changed considerably. This time, it was more personal change. Um, I learned to deal with things that I hadn't had to deal with before. I (laughs) I took up yoga not long before we went on the arc. And I think this really did help me out. Um, Not physically, I didn't manage to do any of the physical uh, exercises, but definitely mentally, I was uh, in a different zone completely. Miles, was the experience life-changing for you? Yes, I'd have to say it probably was. But whether I've changed my life since then, I haven't really. But I think what uh, what I have found (coughs) is that I've become very unsettled now. I'm, I'm sort of all the time, even though I sail a lot during the year, uh, around Dublin Bay um, but I'm still sort of looking way off into the horizon I find myself in my head uh, you know wanting to be out there out on the oceans again I've found it very difficult to get back into dry land if you like so yes it has been right. how, it's, how I'm going to deal with it I've no idea Philip for you was the experience life changing? I mean life changing sounds very dramatic when you put, put it like that Um I cer- I certainly, when you do something like the Ark, it's such a huge adventure in itself. When you come back from it, you you wonder, you know, does ordinary life, like, what, what, what's in your life on a day-to-day basis that can match that? So now, I suppose, from a sailing point of view, as we were talking before, I think, we went from one extreme to the other, from sailing around Dublin Bay in a relatively small, dinghy-sized boat to suddenly doing an ocean crossing. And since then, we've done a little bit more... Um, up and down the coast in Ireland but but we now have to ask ourselves 
you know, can we move that on to another level? So that they're the sort of questions that arise because there was a huge enjoyment in, in doing the art. But I mean, we're not going to be round the world sailors. I can't imagine we're going to be doing that. But, but can we do something, you know, that is less than that maybe, but, but, but more challenging than what we're doing at the moment? Many people go on an adventure like the Ark or like on the Camino Way and on that they maybe make some resolutions or some life-affirming uh, revelations. How about, how about you? What did it feel like for that? I didn't um, offhand come back and say, um, oh, well, I'm definitely going to do this or I'm definitely not going to do that. Uh, I've always wanted to be out there in the sea and this is just makes it like Miles was saying it makes it worse you just want to be out there even more um, but whether you know sell up and sail I don't know it's a lot of people's dreams but I don't know for how many people it's a reality Miles you mentioned about readjusting to coming back ashore from a voyage like that and actually you've done it twice now so you have a good ex- understanding of it how's that been? Well like you say I, I, I suppose the, the biggest uh, problem is when you come back after doing something like that when you're when you're away out there on the ocean and even though there are other people on board the boat you 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 are actually in your own zone and your little space on that boat is your little space and nobody even though they're you know cheap by jail nobody encroaches on that space if you know people sense that you won't be left alone you don't want to talk and, and stuff like that when you come back to land everybody wants a piece of you you know and as i do i have a sort of quite a big family of four, four, four children and I've got eight grandchildren and there's a constant pull you know, not just on me, on my wife as well of course, but um, sometimes that can get difficult, you know, especially when you know, it's such a love for the open sea, you know so that, that is, is, can be problematic if you like So Philip, you have a, you, uh, your, your normal day to day life is very busy, right? Do you find you were able to switch off from, from life ashore, from uh, online media, the uh, emails and all of that. During the arc, did you switch off from life ashore? Very definitely. When you're out there for a period of three weeks, you do really forget about everything that happens normally at home. And even now, I mean, we, we sail most weekends um, out of Dunleary. And we often remark that when we're out there, whether we're just out on a Saturday or a Sunday for four or five hours, once you're out there on the sea, it might only be in Dublin Bay, you forget all about work, you forget about the house, you forget about the chores that need to be done. You are in that zone for those few hours. So I suppose what the Ark, thinking back on the Ark a year ago, I mean, we were in that state of mind, not for hours, but for for days and, and, and weeks, in fact, and okay, it wears off when you come back, but you still remember what it, what it was like to be in that kind of that different environment. And Liz, did it change? Liz, does it change your sense of time, really? Well, when you're out on the boat, um, you're it, there's no such thing as time. You're just there. You're enjoying life. You're enjoying your surroundings. You're dealing with whatever happens. The minute you relax, something happens, and you have to hove to or pull in a rope or do something the minute you, you, you relax things. But time, no, definitely not. We go out and it could be getting dark before we realise, oh, we better go home now or the dog needs to be fed or something like that. But no, you're never watching the clock once you're out. You're gone and that's it until you get back. Miles, 
This was your second arc. Was there a difference between the first one and the second one for you? Yes, there was a, def- a definite difference. Um, the first time it was completely, absolutely brand new, huge adventure. I'd never, ever, ever done anything like it in my whole life. And uh, the, the the second time, um, I won't say it was like old hat, but it it it, it was. I had already experienced it, so I experienced it. It was a different set. I mean, a different crew, different boat, everything else was it was different in in that way. Um, it's hard to it's it's hard to explain, but uh, I enjoyed it every bit as much. I can say that's about as much as I can say about it. I enjoyed it every bit as much as the first time. It is. This is also your second arc, right? And and for you, was it different from the first time? Um, yes, the first time we were very naive sail sailing wise, and uh, we didn't have an awful lot of experience. We hadn't even had a night uh, an overnight passage. So this time round, sailing-wise, uh, I knew an awful lot more. I think that by having the bit of knowledge, uh, you could enjoy it more, you could get more involved in the sailing aspect, and uh, you knew what had to be done, when it had to be done, what people were talking about, which we didn't, I didn't have that knowledge the first time round. And on a, on a voyage like this, the dynamics between the crew, how do people manage to, between each other? In other words, we're all in a confined space for 21 days at sea or whatever. How do people cope? How did you cope? I found that very interesting, actually, because uh, that was something I was kind of concerned about, being the only female on a, um, a boat of males. But um, actually, it was great, absolutely great. I, I really enjoyed it. I found there were times when I had to talk to myself and kind of say, right, well, you have a choice here. You can either do this or you can do that, or you can just get on with it, or you can make a scene and... And, um, yeah, and that's where I think the yoga made me um, appreciate, you know, stop and think before you kind of uh, just jump in. And uh, that made all the difference, and I, and I continue that now since, since we got back. Philip, for you, it was a confined space too. The dynamics between the people were, were interesting. How did you see that? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it may sound like I'm just saying this because you've asked it, but we did get on particularly well all of us on board um, I know myself because everyone I think examines themselves in a situation like this because you are put under pressure you do get tired you're not eating or sleeping as well and over a prolonged period that affects people in different ways I know I'm a sort of a grumpy individual if I'm not fed and if I'm tired I can be a bit you know snappy and short tempered and so on so I had to watch myself in that regard. Uh, I hope I didn't uh, annoy anybody too much at times, but I don't like when I'm tired having to perform uh, tasks and do things. I, you know, I, I just, I'm not good when I'm under stress. So I certainly learned that about myself, and I hope I've taken some lessons from that. is Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea. You're listening to Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea. And we're here in the National Yacht Club on the Balcony, meeting again one year on with the people who did the ARC, the transatlantic voyage we reported on last week. Miles, 
a lot of people wonder about the daily routine. Somebody asked me, what do you do at night? Well, we keep sailing, right? So what's it like? What's the daily routine like on a trip like this? Um, <coughs> you would think that it might be the same, but it's actually not. Because everybody, you've got six people on board as we had. Every day, everybody wakes up in a different mood. And, you know, everybody's got a different, uh, how can I say, just attitude to the day. And that causes a, a, a reaction amongst the other crew. And it could be a good reaction, it can be a bad reaction, you know. But in the main, it's a good reaction. But that, in a way, determines how the day is going to be for you, in a way. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the crew would be very quiet, people would retire to their space, they would be reading, uh, doing whatever it is they do in their own space and time. Uh, and then the crew would, would come together and there would be music and song and, uh, you know, then some boat tasks would have to be done as regular maintenance that would have to be done on a daily basis. So when you actually... Uh, the other big thing that takes up the day too is to actually trying to get in your sleep um, because that's very, very important. So, like, when you're on watch, you're invariably getting, maybe, if you're lucky, three hours at a stretch, if you're lucky. Um, because the boat is banging and, and there's noise and the people are moving around and so it, it's quite difficult to get sleep so you'll catch up on sleep during the day uh, if you can so after a while you just settle into routines and the routine is to keep yourself fit keep yourself fed and rested and look after the boat and and get on with your, with your fellow crew members in a previous programme, Taff mentioned, our skipper Taff mentioned, that sometimes you're at war with the sea, sometimes you're at peace with the sea. Uh, and I think for li- people listening, they might wonder, what's it like? You know, do you, are, you, are you afraid at times? Are you uh, relaxed at times? What was it like with the sea? What did the sea provide for us? Yeah, well, I'd, I would say that I would never, ever take the sea for granted. And, um, I mean, I can be worried out sailing in Dublin Bay, so people wonder then well how the heck are you going to feel if you're heading across 3,000 miles of sea and and there's no help if something goes wrong so yes I would always be aware and conscious of the state of the sea and I'd be I'm a bit obsessed by numbers and and I'd want to know um, what is the wind strength you know what's it forecast to be um, how is the boat performing how rough is the sea? I remember, because Taff is a very experienced skipper, when it was particularly rough on one occasion. And when it's like that, people can't sleep. So we're all sitting around in the cockpit, being bounced up and down. And I looked across the sea in all directions, 360 degrees, realising that there is nothing out there if something goes wrong. And just for an instant, I said to Taff, I think was reading a book, I said, do you mind me asking Taff, do you think this is rough? Because I thought it was rough. And he lifted his head from the book, glanced around and said no, and went back to reading the book. <laughs> and suddenly that was great, because if he's relaxed, and he's been across the ocean I don't know how many times, if he's relaxed, then that made, that made me relaxed. And how did the boat perform? The boat we didn't know much about. Um, I had never any experience of um, an ocean star um, yacht, but it performed brilliantly. Um, we found it to be a very solid, sound boat. It seemed to take everything um, that was thrown at it. I mentioned the knockdown. I think that was probably just one of those uh, situations where we were just we had too much sail up and we were slow to get it down, and we were just caught by a combination of a 
a strong, a very strong gust and maybe a, 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 a breaking sea. Okay, as the only woman on board, did you find that you were uh, almost put into certain roles by default? How did you deal with uh, a crew of five men as the only woman on board? Um, no, I don't feel I was put under pressure to do anything that I didn't really want to do. Uh, there were loads of different tasks that had to be done and there were a lot of things that I didn't know technically about um, with the engine and thing, mind you I did learn um, a lot of things that you know maybe I wouldn't have the strength to do with some of the sail changes and things like that so I concentrated on doing things that I felt I could do because we were all working as a team and um, some of that meant galley work uh, more than I probably do at home but it was a learning curve for me as well, so I was um, I was glad of the experience and um, the challenge. And uh, no, we all worked together as a team. And if somebody wasn't capable of doing something or able to do something or had difficulty with something, somebody always helped them out. And um, I and, and I got loads of help in the galley as well. So no, we all mucked in and we did things. Everyone had a go at everything, really. And so, yeah, no, it was good. You're listening to Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea, a radio documentary series for East Coast FM. Miles, as we came to the end, we, as, as Rodney Bay appeared on the horizon, or as St. Lucia appeared on the horizon, right, what were your thoughts? Uh, basically, oh, damn, it's over. <laughs> um, I, I didn't want to come in, you know. Uh, you know I think I, I would have been glad to stay out there. For, you know, as I said before, another three weeks, um, b- because losing that uh, Zen-like state that you you achieve on this at this type of uh, voyage, um, it's very hard to give it all, knowing what's on land. Oh, okay, there was a bit of party time on uh, Saint Lucia, um, but it doesn't make up for what you're giving up, which is basically that sense of peace and tranquility. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was sorry it was over. I was sorry it finished, you know. Liz, today it's windy in Dublin Bay, right? And the last three days or four days of our voyage, it was very windy as we tore into San Lucia. What do you, as we, sorry, as we flew in at high speed towards San Lucia, what were your thoughts as the, as the as island rose from the sea ahead of us? Oh, well, I'm never happy to see land. Um, I'm only happy if I'm sailing past it, not sailing into it. So um, the only the only thing was that uh, my our daughter was meeting us there. She had come from Australia and she was on the shore waiting for us with her boyfriend when we were sailing into Rodney Bay. And so that was the only thing that made it kind of right. Okay, I'm happy to go in now because I'm going to see her. We hadn't seen her for quite a while. Uh, but um, apart from that, no, I'd have been happy to sail on past St. Lucia. Uh, as a husband and wife team, uh, the, sorry, the, the crew, there were six of us on the crew, but you were the dynamic duo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, how was how how the experience for you going as a couple? Well, you see, you are in a different environment. So, you know, as a couple, obviously... We, we had to, we were now on a boat for three weeks with four other guys, so um, that's a different environment for us as well. We wouldn't be behaving. We would be behaving, I suppose, slightly different than we would be if we were at home. Um, so yeah, there was going to be a change. But I know, I know, I knew as we came into Saint Lucia that Liz would be disappointed that the voyage was over. 
Um, if I'm honest for myself, I would say there was an element of relief that we had successfully crossed the Atlantic again. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about always having a little fear in the back of my mind that things can, can, do go wrong and can go wrong. And most boats have equipment failures. Um, we had problems on our boat, none of them too serious. Um, so, that's, so, so I would have to admit that, yeah, there was probably a sense of relief. Um, and I think there's the most, the most fantastic feeling on any voyage is the sense of arrival. Um, in spite of what Miles and Liz have just said, the sense of achievement, um, the feeling that you're, in, you're going to be in port soon and you're going to be safe and you're going to be celebrating and you have great memories to, to fall back on. To me, that, that was the feeling as we uh, approached St. Lucia. Plus the fact that there's a, a sense of tiredness as well. I, I think you become increasingly more tired uh, as the weeks pass and you only really recover after you've, you've been ashore for a, a period of time and you're sleeping and maybe eating um, more regularly and so on. What would you say to somebody who was thinking of going on a, on a, a voyage like this or on a, a walk like the Camino or some, some major project that was you know, outside of their normal daily life? What would you say to a person like that? I'd say anything like that stretches you. You don't know what impact it's going to have on you until you, until you do it until you try it um, but I think most people who undertake adventures of that nature they all um, are left afterwards with a sense with, with a great sense of, of um, achievement with a sense of you know you, you, if you don't do something like that then life becomes very mundane and uh, there's you know there's a lack of excitement in your life so I think you have to push yourself you have to try new things Miles what would you say to somebody who, who was contemplating a, a project like the Ark or like going the Camino Way? What would you say to a friend who was thinking of doing that? Just do it. You know, don't even think about it anymore. You know, if it's come into your head you will, and you don't do it, you will die regretting it. That's absolutely the way it is. So if in any way you can, you can afford to do it or if you have to borrow money to do it, just do it. It's as simple as that. And I'd say that to anybody. So, from a windswept Dunleary Harbour, thanks to my guests today, Philip and Liz Quigley and Miles Kelly, and to our sound recorders, Craig Lawless and producer Pat Hannan. Maybe you'll do the Ark, or the Camino Way, or something that'll surprise yourself, or even find yourself. I'm John Murphy. Join me next time on Sea Stories, live touched by the sea. Next time on Sea Stories. So what persuaded you to come here and decide it? Well, I, um, I moved to Dublin. Uh, I was fishing with my brothers, fishing salmon. I remember coming in from fishing one day, and this was um, about 1978. I got a phone call from a good friend of mine, Tom Cusick, who said that a company in Dublin were looking for... I was a carpenter, uh, so my time in the uh, We're looking for a carpenter in Dublin, so I came up and started working with Irish Inco. Um, that was about 1979. But now from the bridge of your own uh, ship, yeah. looking down the river here, you see the bridge you built? Yeah, you see, yeah. I mean, it's... It is a kind of full circle, but there have been lots of uh, intriguing circles in between, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> sea Stories is a 21st century Vox production for East Coast FM, and the programme was produced by Pat Hannan. Find out more information about Sea Stories. Visit our website, seastories.ie. 
or go to facebook.com forward slash Sea Stories Ireland. Or follow us on Twitter at Sea Stories IRL. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with funding from the Television Licence Fee.